Okay, everyone. <clears throat> and I guess I'm welcoming myself back home to <laughs> uh, finally back um, in my little spot here in, in Hawaii. <clears throat> As people continue to arrive, let's uh, enjoy our, our brief time of sitting together.
Please join me with the four uh, practice principles. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. It's good to see all of you, so many of you. Um, As as you might imagine, I'm still processing and integrating the experiences of the past month of um, caring for family and and, and mom and and myself and uh, filled with challenges and the kind of uh, tender care that comes. And then also what it means to go through old things, you know, the things that it calls up. And all of that happening in the context of a world that brings its own challenges these days. And as I was um, sitting down to make a few notes to think of what I I might offer today, I, I reminded myself, it's important to try to be encouraging, <laughs> or at least not to be discouraging. Uh, and I realized, oh, that must be the the edge I'm on. It's like the uh, the derivation of the old adage, um, the truth will set you free, but first it might make you miserable. And this this kind of uh, way we, we meet things. So I began to write some notes uh, just so I would have uh, a focus of my thoughts and and sometimes maybe you know this too when you write in a journal or something or you had a prompt you write things out that you didn't know you thought because you don't know it until you write it out and so, so I was doing that and <clears throat> and as I did I was reminded of two uh, chapters, which were talks by Joko Beck in her second book, Nothing Special. And uh, you'll, you'll laugh when you hear the titles of the two. Um, <clears throat> the two talks that I remembered, and I didn't remember everything in them, but as I was writing, I thought, I, I think I think I'm channeling these things <laughs> that I remember from her teaching. Um, one was called uh, The Promise That Is Never Kept and The Talk That No One Wants to Hear especially that one, 
the talk that no one wants to hear. <laughs> I, I was thinking about that. Um, <clears throat> and I, um, I'm not going to go into them extensively. Um, but the talk that no one wants to hear, um, I, I did copy a couple of lines. She starts out by saying, if we're honest, we have to admit that what we really want from practice, especially at the beginning, but always to some degree, is greater comfort in our lives. You know, to not be stuck in traffic when we want to give a Dharma talk. Cassie, what an amazing and difficult and challenging and wonderful thing. And so I hope we can all come and, and hear you at uh, uh, talk number two this this Sunday. Uh, Joko says, we hope with sufficient practice, what bothers us now will not bother us anymore. And she talks about two viewpoints. Um, and the first one, she's, this is what we think practice is. And the second is what practice actually is. So that shift, which, you know, we talk about quite a bit. Uh, the first one being, <clears throat> if I practice, I'll have things go my way. And the second one being actually life as it is, the only teacher, which we just chanted. Um, and she says, um, this shift doesn't happen overnight you've noticed, right? It doesn't happen overnight. In fact, sometimes it takes a long time. It's the other thing we don't like to hear that it takes a while. Um, but if we're steady in our practice and supporting a, a regular stable practice in ourselves and maybe with each other, we move more and more towards what she calls that second viewpoint. Um, to sit more quietly when we're upset and would rather be doing something else. And, and we recognize the value of this simple shift, which is quite profound, actually. And there's a desire to practice more deeply over time. And the other chapter that I went back and, and reflected on was the promise that's never kept. And I'll read, and once again, just a couple of her lines. She says, our human trouble arises from desire. That's the first sentence. She says, not all desires are problems, however. There are two kinds of desires. Here she has another <laughs> dualistic way of talking about it. Uh, demands, I have to have it, and preferences. And she said, we all have preferences. It's that demand that it turn out our way that begins to be a problem. And she talks about letting go of expectations. That, but that the promise that everything's going to be okay if we practice isn't one that's ever, ever kept. Um, she talks about it like being thirsty and going to a faucet and thinking if we drink, we'll finally be satisfied, but that it never happens. Um, and so she says in um, her own, uh, those of you who have read her, her own unique Joko Beck way, there's a sentence where she says, um, Let's see. Practice has to be a process of endless disappointment. I told you it wasn't going to be discouraging, but <laughs> of endless disappointment. We have to see that everything we demand and even get eventually disappoints us. This discovery is our teacher. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. <clears throat> 
So those two, two talks about the promise that's never kept, a talk you don't want to hear, um, echoed uh, as I, I was thinking about what I was processing on my own, the three marks of existence, uh, uh, Anicca, Anatta, and Dukkha. Impermanence, mutual causality, and, and suffering. Everything changes, everything's impermanent. Um, and there's no independently existing self. Everything is contingent. And this sort of sense of uh, dissatisfaction with life, the three foundations that the Buddha talks about. But if, if you read, and I, um, I look deeper into the actual translations of the original, um, there's, there, are little, there are phrases that are repetitive. For example, under impermanence. In Sanskrit, that's asabe asankara anicca, which means all constructions have the nature of impermanence. Everything that's constructed can fall apart. All constructions have the nature of impermanence. And anatta, the, the emptiness, this, the second one, everything is contingent. Sabe, sankara, anatta, all constructions have the nature of no independently existing self. And then dukkha, which sometimes we translate as suffering, but sabe, sankara, dukkha, the same phrase, all constructions, all formations have the nature of dukkha. They're eventually disappointing. These are the things we don't want to hear. And this is the promise that isn't kept, that all constructions have the nature of impermanence. All constructions have the nature of no independently existing self and all constructions are ultimately unsatisfying. So that, those are the core teachings of the Buddha. But the sneaky problem when we hear these kinds of teachings, I think, is that we focus on um, the very personal part. It's like if I can see the problems the problems with my thinking. Then I can improve my thinking and I can probably feel better and my life will improve. No more dukkha, no more suffering. But our practice doesn't clear up these things in a kind of a psychological way. We aren't offered like the Buddhist guide to mental health that says if you do these things, then you're going to feel better. Because what we think, whether it's uh, unwholesome or whether it's wholesome, are still constructed. And every construction is characterized by impermanence, no independently existing self, and ultimate dissatisfaction. Everything, even when we are feeling great, Practice doesn't fix these things. These are the nature of reality. It illumines them. It illuminates them. It shines light on them. And so we can be freed from our personal preoccupation with clinging to them. Do you see that difference? You feel that difference? They will still exist, but we're not caught in that personal preoccupation. 
Because most of the time we're convinced that things are the way we perceive them. We literally bet our lives on it. We see things, we think they are like we see them, and they mean what we think they mean to us. And we shape our lives based on them. You see this, of course, oddly in politics these days, where people will take a belief that might seem correct to you or very incorrect, and you see that people will bet their lives on it. We gamble on a dream. And we also have the illusion that we can fix things when we cling to our self-centered notion that uh, things are broken or wrong and that we can restore them to what they were before or we can reshape them into something that's better, but always from our perspective, which is partial and flawed. And of course, we do many, many things that are useful and, and make a huge difference in the world. And we should do those things because they're always falling apart and reforming. So our efforts are important. Things are impermanent, constantly changing, but they're contingent on so many causes and conditions that we can't even conceive of the complexity of the flow. And we suffer because we can't get it all to stop and to be stable and to be ordered and to fit in the way we expect so they can fit our desire. We can't stop the, the contingent flow. And even when you try to name it the problem or the benefit, it's still a try, we're still trying to capture something and nail it down as real so that it's something we can, we, can have and we, we make it too small but the we and the having and the you and I and all of us are like everything else we, we are conditioned phenomena we're constructions we have the same nature of impermanence we don't independently exist and we carry the sense of dissatisfaction and even fear as the substrate of our lives as a result So these are the things I was reflecting on in some of Joko's teachings, which were, I thought, really uh, wonderful to, to retouch. And you might want to go back and, and read them. I'm also doing a presentation on Thursday to a group in Austin, Eremos, in which there's a, um, a theme about uh, the metaphor of a tree being deeply rooted and flourishing. And, and so I had this on my mind and I, I thought of W.S. Merwin's uh, kind of long instructional poem called Unchopping a Tree. Any of you ever read this? Some of you may have. Um, it's a poetic version of the dream of, that we cherish. It's not exactly a poem, although it was written by Merwin, who was, you know, poet laureate twice, uh, two-time Pulitzer Prize winner. Um, and a conservationist. He had his conservancy on the North Shore of Maui, close to us here. Um, 
And I would say this piece is more of a fantasy instruction manual. Uh, details about what to do through our own efforts in an attempt to undo what's been done. But this dream, and it is a dream, of unchopping a tree is illusory and completely necessary. I, I'll tell you what I mean, because as we face realities of the human existence that I've been reflecting on, um, <clears throat> we we have to give it our all. I think last week I spoke about, uh, or recently that Suzuki Roshi quote about getting in a boat and rowing to the middle of the lake, knowing it's going to sink. I mean, we know what's going to happen, but we still have to give it our all. And we do have to make a vow to engage the um, unachievable beings that are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions, you know those, the Bodhisattva vow. Because it frees us, to do so frees us to be wholesome human beings with other humans. Making a vow to orient us towards what's actually unachievable oddly shapes us in a wholesome way. Because vows are instruction manuals which show us how to do our best and how to love, to care for each other and to care for the world. Because that's what it means to be enlightened, to care for each other and the world, to wake up from the self-centered dream, and to negotiate delusion in such a way that we discover the freedom within it. We're never going to be from free from it, but we can be free within it. And that is uh, only the way Dogen can say it. He said, those who are great, who have great realization of delusion are Buddhas. Those who are greatly deluded about realization are sentient beings. Awakening is the negotiation of delusion, not getting rid of it. So, this is one enchanting tale. It's, um, you know, most of you, you're always looking for an instruction manual about how to do it. You ask me this all the time. How should I? And then you, you know, fill in the blank. Um, so relax. I'm going to read it, listen, release yourself to the enchanting tale. Uh, let go of the hope, the despair. Uh, there's the beauty, there's the endless human longing of love and vulnerable tender care. There's all that stuff. Because these are the very best parts of us. These temporary, interwoven, struggling creatures that we are, making beauty and tearing it apart and making more. And practice frees us to release ourselves to the world we live in. And the worlds we create so we can appreciate the miracle of existence. And, and this coming back to Joko's um, things about the tale, you know, the talk you don't want to hear and the empty promise. I think practice gives us the stomach for looking directly into the face of it all with some kindness and compassion, which is the heart of the miracle of really being human. These uh, temporary and tender and thrilling and terrible, beautiful lives that we have. And most of us, you know, don't have the stomach 
or the will or the guidance to really look and to really see and then to do something, however small but necessary in the face of it all. But we have to try. In my reflections last week, you know, I was recalling the teachers that had uh, come before me in the weeks before. Um, these generous themes about realizing our limitlessly, limitlessly deep lives. And in that realization to step over the threshold with great imagination so that we can dance to the end of love fully grounded and, and going going beyond. And that's what we're doing here. There's there's something that happens in long retreats, by the way, that cannot happen in any other way. And this is a long reading. I'm apologizing in advance. This is a warning. So you may experience the things that do happen in a long retreat. So prepare yourself. And long retreats, you get bored, you fall asleep. You feel bodily discomfort. I see Steve smiling as I'm saying these things. Wonder why it has to be like this. Wish the bell would ring. Hate me for doing it. For making you sit through it. All those things happen. And the instruction is still the same. Follow the schedule. Sit. Show up. And this is the offering. Don't worry about the content. I'm more interested in the experience and what it leads us to. Unchopping a Tree by W.S. Merwin. Start with the leaves, the small things in the nests that have been shaken, ripped or broken off by the fall. These must be gathered and attached once again to their respective places. It's not arduous work unless major limbs have been smashed or mutilated. If the fall was carefully and correctly planned, the chances of anything of the kind happening will have been reduced. But again, much depends on the size, age, shape, and species of the tree. Still, you'll be lucky if you can get through the stages without having to use machinery. Even in the best circumstances, it's a labor that will make you wish often that you had won the favor of the universe of ants, the empire of mice, <laughs> or at least a local tribe of squirrels, and they could list their labors and their talents. But no, they leave it to you. They've learned with time. This is human's work. It goes without saying that if the tree was hollow in whole or in part and contained old nests of bird or mammal or insect or herds of nuts or such structures as wasps or bees, Build for their survival, the contents will have to be repaired where necessary and reassembled and so far as possible in their original order, including the shells of nuts already open. With spider webs, you must simply do the best you can. We do not have the spider's weaving equipment nor any substitute for the leaf's living bond with its point of attachment and nourishment. It's even harder to simulate the latter when the leaves have <clears throat> once become dry, as they are bound to do, for this is not the labor of the moment. Also, it's hardly needs saying that this is the time for repairing any neighboring trees or bushes or other growth that has been damaged by the fall. The same rules apply 
where neighboring trees were of the same species, it's difficult not to waste time conveying a detached leaf back to the wrong tree. Practice, practice, put your hope in that. Now the tackle must be put in place or the scaffolding, depending on the surroundings and the dimensions of the tree. It's, it's ticklish work. Almost always it involves in itself further damage to the area, which will have to be corrected later. But as you've heard, it can't be helped. And care now is likely to save you considerable trouble later. Be careful to grind nothing into the ground. At last the time comes for the erecting of the trunk. By now it will scarcely be necessary to remind you of the delicacy of this huge skeleton. Every motion of the tackle, every slightly upward heave of the trunk, the branches, they're elaborately reassembled panoply of leaves now dead will draw from you an involuntary gasp. You will watch for a leaf or a twig to be snapped off yet again. You will listen for the nuts to shift in the hollow limb and you will hear whether they're indeed falling into place or spilling in disorder, in which case, or in the event of anything else of the kind, operations will have to cease, of course, while you correct the matter. The raising itself is no small enterprise. From the moment when the chains tighten around the old bandages until the, the bowls hang vertically above the stump, splinter above splinter, and how the final straightening of the splinters themselves can take place. The preliminary work is best done while the wood is still green and soft, but at times when the splinters are not badly twisted, most of the straightening is left until now, when the torn ends are face to face with each other. When the splinters are perfectly complementary, the appropriate fixative is applied. Again, we have no duplicate for the original substance. Ours is extremely strong, but it's rigid. It's limited to surfaces. There's no play in it. However, the core is not the part of the trunk that conducted life from the roots to the branches and back again. It was relatively inert. The fixative for this part is not the same as the one for the outer layers in the bark. And if either of these is involved in the splintering sections, they must receive application of the appropriate adhesives. Apart from being incorrect and probably ineffective, the core fixative will leave a scar on the bark. When all is ready, the splintered trunk is lowered into the splinters of the stump. This, one might say, is only the skeleton of the resurrection. Now the chips must be gathered on the sawdust and returned to their former positions. The fixative for the wood layers will be applied to chips and sawdust consisting only of wood and chips and sawdust consisting of several substances will receive applications of the correct adhesives. It is as well uh, were possible to shelter the materials from the elements while working. Weathering makes it harder to identify the smaller fragments. Bark, sawdust, 
in particular the earth lays claim to very quickly. We must find our own way of coping with the problems. There's a certain beauty you'll notice at moments in the patterns of the chips as they're fitted back into place. You'll wonder to what extent it should be described as natural uh, to what is man-made. It will lead you on to speculations about the parentage of beauty itself to which you will return. The adhesives for the chips is translucent and not as rigid as that for the splinters. That for the bark, its subcutaneous layer, if transparent and runs into the fibers on either side, partially dissolving them into each other, it does not set the sap flowing again, but it does pay a kind of tribute to the preoccupations of those ancient thoroughfares. You could not roll an egg over the joints, but some of the mine shafts would still be possible, no doubt, for the first exploring insect who raises its head in the tight, echoless passages. The day comes when it's all restored, even to the moss, now dead, over the wound. You will sleep badly thinking of the removal of the scaffolding that must begin the next morning. How you will hope for sun and a still day. The removal of the scaffolding or tackle is not as dangerous, perhaps, to the surroundings as its installation, but it presents problems. You've come to accept it there, around the tree. The sky begins to look naked as the change and struts, one by one, vacate their positions. Finally, the moment arrives when the last sustaining piece is removed and the tree stands again on its own. It's as though its weight for a moment stood on your heart. You listen for a, a thud of settlement, a warning creak deep in the intricate joinery. You cannot believe it will hold. How like something dreamed it is, standing there all by itself. How long will it stand there now? The first breeze that touches its dead leaves all seem to flow into your mouth. You're afraid the motion of the clouds will be enough to push it over. What more can you do? What more can you do? There's nothing more you can do. Others are waiting. Everything. Everything is going to have to be put back. So where do you find yourself now? Once again, it's long. It's particular. And almost everything in practice is woven into that story, including the koan at the end. Others are waiting. It will all have to be put back, put back.
so uh, please uh, come to, to meet me if there are things that this stirs or questions that it brings or encouragements that you want to share or despairs that need to be spoken. Ah, Cassie. Hello. Hi. <clears throat> um. All, what was the part about all constructed things are um, have the nature of impermanence, non-self, Dukkha. And everything is constructed. Yeah, that really landed. And that hope that we can restore, or it's not true, or we could put it back, even in this long a beautiful thing that Merton's written. It's like, ah, uh, yeah. Part of my experience Sunday, um, the things that I learned, um, one was that uh, all attempting was the opposite of connection. As you got caught in this the frantic striving, you could miss the connection that was right there. Oh, yeah, and and did for quite a bit. And um, I think it was Robin who commented, like, when I had finally wasn't trapped by cars and could U-turn out, um, and then to find that I had no path north and no path east, um, and pulling into a parking lot to, to at least zoom in, uh, but what Robin commented was that uh, she could see my body relaxing and I didn't check in with that until I got that reflection. That reflection was essential. And that reflection was essential. Mm -hmm. um, and um what it was, you know, what it act, what the actual meeting was, was so different than what my intention was. And, and it became its own thing. Like it couldn't stop being a Dharma moment. Yeah. You know, I've said so many times before, awakening will track you down. <laughs> it's what is natural when we stop trying to find the exit. Yeah. It's right there, always with us. On that path that wasn't blocked and, and not to. Big mind is always on your side. Uh -huh. Sometimes it takes uh, either the, as Pema Chodron, the wisdom of no escape. Yeah. Which is like, <laughs> like and uh, the reflection of a loving person or a wall. Yeah. Um, I had invited uh, a couple of photo students that have been with me for a lot of years and, but who have no meditations in experiences to their knowledge. <laughs> and uh, one of them wrote back to me that, uh, that I was loved all over the world. Yeah. 
and I, I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't, I, I wouldn't, I didn't like, I didn't, I didn't know that. I might've known that, but I didn't know that. And now you do. And I think now I do. And what's the response to that? It's like both a shrinking and an expanding. It's like there's, there's a timidness for the power of that much intimacy and, and touching that. And it's, it's, you know, it has little nerve ending tendrils. Yeah. Um, it's nice to look on the screen and see a lot of those people all over the world who loved you. And, and to say internally, you say it outside too, but thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. I love you. If that's I love true. You. I, I do. I mean, just to say the simplicity of it. Like the, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Like big love. Like just, and like love that I think will scare you. Because it's not that personal. Yes, it's personal. These are the two sides you're talking about. Yeah. The personal part, but there's a part that's not even that personal. It's the love we step into together. That was like really, really there. I mean, it was so there. It was so there. And sometimes we can only know it when something completely unexpected, which destroys all of our ideas about how it should go. Because now the self-centered dream is not there anymore. And you see something different. You see what actually is. Yeah. Yeah. So there's also, I feel like I need to offer compassion to a shadow belief that like is pulsing. Yes. Um, And so one of the things, you know, I was in my mind, I was hearing that I was disappointing to others. Yeah. I know that familiar things, the familiar things that I know the biological lineage of where they come from. And uh, the one that is the sharpest edge was that this path isn't for me. And so the universe is going to stop me from doing it. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Painful illusion. Painful. Painful. And what was the counter experience? Yeah, it was the opposite of that. It was yeah. the, that, you know, it, it, that no offering was the offering. Like that, no, it required no agenda in order for that meeting to occur. Yeah, it's that complete disappointment and letting go, then everything can flow in. And then everything flowed in, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you all. I mean, thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you, Flint, yeah. for always being there. Well, we got another chance now, too, Sunday, to, to <laughs> see how that expectation goes. Who knows? <laughs>
Hold it lightly. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, we have Rosemary. Excellent. There. Um, I was just thinking about the unchopping of the tree and Cassie and her not happening and now happening again, we hope. Um, I found the, the poem, I was um, kind of devastated. I had my eyes closed as you were speaking and it was just, yeah, for some reason, very devastating. Um, and maybe it's the idea of the complete deconstruction and the care, you know, of putting it back. And the I loved the um, the specific, just the right adhesive for the different pieces. Um, but um, before the poem, your um, this is I was pretty devastated by this too. We focused on the individual part. I don't know how to not do that, Flint. And Cassie it, was just showing it. What's that? Cassie was just demonstrating it. You will always focus on the individual part. So will I, so will everyone else. It's just not being as trapped in it. For you to say, I focus on the individual part, that awareness is bigger than just focusing on the individual part. Well, yes. And maybe that's my confusion. And, and I always think I'm doing the wrong thing because um, you know, it's, it's how I have learned to figure out myself. Yes. And that's what Cassie was saying too, you know, I'm wrong, you know, which allows me to connect. Um, so and when you do, what's the result every time when you finally realize you're loved or seen and accepted just like you are. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a complete, um, release and and connection and 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 it's true i know i know now i see the true the true um true aspects but i do get stuck when um i hear on we focus on the individual part like wrong you know <laughs> wrong, wrong thing so i think i understand that um in the investigation of this upset whatever it is um we see um, that we're mishearing things, misreading things. And a friend who is saying to me, oh, this was the conversation. Oh, you, you, that would be so easy for you to do. I'm hearing, did you think that I was confused and needed, you know, and she's saying you're good at something. And I'm, yeah, so this took a while to unravel and, um, what I realize is she's so this particular friend so support you're such a good cook and blah 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 blah, and um, it but just even the don't get to it. They're just substitutes. That's just the coping. Tell say that again. That's just substitutes. That's coping. You can go from I don't I'm not great to I am great. Explain. Help me that. with that. Help me with that. What's larger than that, where you're not subject to good or bad, right or wrong. That's what practice tells us. Okay. Um, and this you're going to have to sit with. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to solve that right now. But that's that's where you're coming to. And as teacher, that's what I'm saying. Okay, you can go the old way. I'm always wrong, striving. Someone can say, no, you're fine. You're fine. Good. But that's contingent also. 
what's the space in which you can see the way that you flow between these two places? That's what you sit with. I'll think about that. Yeah, good, good, good. I'll, You've got to a really important place. So that, let's, that, let's um, it. stay there. Yeah, that um, in-between place. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Okay. Thank you. And we have Bromwin. Aloha. Can you hear me okay? Yes. I am trying to tie back into the tree and the poem because it seems like that's what we're supposed to do. But I'm going to let go of that one. I got um, the what I connected with was uh, Cassie saying, I didn't check in. Those words resonated with me. And that's what was going on as I entered the Zendo is, um, uh, and the word that came up was regret. Regret. And dealing, dealing with the, dealing with regret, especially with my leg right now and wishing I had made different choices. Sure. So caught in the self-centered dream, caught in that. Practice helps, and I still find that that part is so alive. You know, I wake up, if only I would have, if only I would have. It's just like, ah, will you stop it? Yeah, I think there's uh, maybe one bridge is, I think of wholesome regret and unwholesome regret. Unwholesome regret takes us down the path of solidifying and reifying these ideas about ourselves. You're always, or you never, you know, all that stuff. And wholesome regret is, oh, this is new information that I can use as I move forward, that I do need to forgive myself. I have to deal with what's here. So there's an opening that goes with wholesome regret and there's a constricting and hardening that goes with unwholesome regret. Does that make sense? It does. And um, what I think how I can connect with that is the regret was not listening internally to myself yes, and going to different doctors and listening to them and all of their ideas overpowered what I felt uh, to be mm -hmm. true. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's the, if only I'd listened inside, then I made a, if only I listened inside, things would be different, but they may or may not be true. You don't know. I mean, you were gathering information you thought would be helpful, uh, but yes. in the process, you've been to abandon another kind of information, which also would have been helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the teaching that we'll see how that goes forward. And how does that relate that? to the tree? <laughs> don't worry about the tree. The, so, tree, the, the, the tree says, we try and try and try to put back together what can't be put back together. Knowing it's shaky, knowing it's vulnerable. And yet there's the next thing. Everything's going to have to be put back, meaning we're going to have to keep practicing with what happens next. We're going to have to what? Yeah, we'll practice with what happens next. But we can't put anything back. Yeah. They can't unbiopsy your leg. Yeah. Like chopping the tree, you can't unbi. You could do the whole poem with unbiopsying the leg. 
But in the end, it's like, oh, but actually staying here with what is, is what's necessary. And, and, yourself and let yourself be loved. listening inside may or may not have made the path different. There's no way to know that. There's no a, way to know. No, there's no way to know. We put our energy into what's now. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you. And from Colorado. <laughs> Myra. Oh my goodness. You like my hair? <laughs> I do. I do. I like your, your hair with the antlers next to I know it. the antlers. <laughs> um, what a joy to be here. Recording in progress. With all of you. Um, and Flint, thank you for that wonderful teaching and beautiful poem. And you read it so like butter. Really beautiful. Thank you. Um, uh, I felt um, completely in it as you read it. I felt I loved every moment of it. I was never bored or tired or sleepy. So <laughs> may all my long retreats be like that. <laughs> um, I thought of uh, parenting. I, you know, um, I have a son that I raised and loved and struggled with, and he finally died uh, a couple of years ago. And um, it just to me, I mean, of course, it's a metaphor for me for life. And no matter what you do, it won't matter. And it's essential that you do it. That's a right. Gandhi quote, I believe that I have pondered since I was 17 thinking what the what the fuck does that mean? Right. Right. Um, and now I feel like I have some small sense of it, you know, uh, but to me, um, and, and I guess the metaphor for having raised and loved a son and then lost him um, felt like that's exactly what life is, you know, that I have this great privilege to be, I mean, the, the beauty that was captured in those words about constructing or reconstructing, what comes up for me is I am in. I'm in, I'll, having lost somebody so precious to me, <laughs> you know, I'm being, I'm in, I'll take it, you know, so. Yeah, yeah I mean. comes with the, with the deal. It is the deal, but um, also how just very beautiful and, the, and also the invitation to that spaciousness that in the midst of it all, I don't know. I'll just take it. I'm really grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you for your presence and your beautiful way of expressing that. And sure. I know that, uh, well, the loss of Kaylin, you know, that goes on, but so does life. So, yeah, it's beautiful. And Thank that beautiful you. spaciousness will intone now in our uh, verse of the robe. We'll do this together. Beautiful. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being.
Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you so much, Flint, for continuing to offer us encouragement in the face of impermanence and endless, inevitable disappointments. Thank you. Thank you so much. And for all of you just showing up, because that's an act in and of itself of encouragement. So thank you all so much for being here. And if you'd like to offer encouragement in another way, um, there's a place for you to offer Dana um, at apamada.org. And, um, and that helps us and enables us to continue to keep offering and coming together in this way. So thank you all so much for all the ways that you support Appamada. Thank you so much. And if you'd like to continue to meet and share, then please do pop yourself into gallery view and I'll be with you in just a moment. Thank you all so much again. Thank you. <laughs>